It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstom. Pinhead Gunpowder has for over 30 years been one of those bands where if you know you know as the band's really hard to collect catalog is in the staggered process of being reissued jason white of the band joins me jason has been in bands like well the influence Mansula, chino horde foxborough hot tubs perhaps more well known as a member of green day and of course pinhead gunpowder jason white is here hey how's it going so it's going good, and we're recording this on Easter, and I, I don't think it's far from the truth to say that finding all of the Pinhead Gunpowder releases is kind of like an Easter egg hunt, which is why we're talking about reissues in the modern day. Yeah, correct. Uh, it used to be. Now, hopefully, it won't be after this. all this stuff comes out. The reissues are being staggered. The, the releases being staggered, being put out by 1234Go on colored vinyl, on handsome colored vinyl. For those keeping track at home, we're in phase three, which means goodbye Elston Avenue and the at your funeral seven inch. This is a good point in the reissue mm. process, because for me, goodbye Elston Avenue, that's one of the first things that come to mind or that comes to mind when I think about pinhead gunpowder. So let's right. start there. Yeah, uh, it's misspelled on the cover <laughs> because it is uh, a reference to the, the street in Chicago. I don't uh, think I realized that. I, I thought, well, yeah. it's it's spelled differently, so surely it's not the same Elston. No, it's uh, we realized it was misspelled. You know, maybe a couple of years after we initially did the record, and and then we just kept deciding, like, oh, just keep it. It's kind of, I don't know, uh, maybe it's more charming to us or something. Wait, so why Elston? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great way to avoid taking the expressway during rush hour. But why Elston? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I know it was Aaron's Aaron Elliott's idea. Um, and uh, it had to do with something. I think it was a billboard at the time he was sort of living there uh, that said goodbye Elston Avenue. He just sort of uh, took the title and thought it sounded great, you know. Sort of I, like leaving a town or something. I feel silly for not knowing this, but again, it was misspelled. I just assumed, oh, well, that, that has to be in San Francisco or something. No, it's the Chicago reference. Yeah. So let's talk about Goodbye Elson Avenue, which is reissued and available. Life During Wartime, that was the right song to kick things off, wasn't it? Yes. Like that, as yeah. opening tracks go, that's that's the right one. Yeah, it's probably our strongest open, opening song, I would say, uh, of any of the releases. Yeah. And so I love it holds up, I think. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely holds up. And high maintenance to me, that's my favorite. That riff reminded me of why I like punk rock in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just has that undeniable riff and the drums are just all flourish on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so fast on the record. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, sort of trying to go back and play over it to remember it or something. And it was like, oh my God, it's blazing fast. Cause it's kind of a quick riff. Um, it is. Yeah. Well, all your songs are quick. All, your, yeah, all of Pinhead Gunpowder's library is if you blink, you're going to miss it. it. It's gone. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We, we realized that with these reissues where we decided to master everything at <clears throat> 45 because it fits. Right. And it's going to sound better. So but was like, oh, I guess even our LP still fits at 45 because the songs are short. 
Are you a vinyl collector? Does it mean something to have all this stuff coming out in vinyl? Absolutely. Like this? I mean, vinyl is my first love, my first preference. Uh, I'm not necessarily the collector, but I uh, I worked at a record store for many years, and uh, and of course, I just love vinyl. Uh, so I'm glad to see it's all back on vinyl again. Yeah. So Pinhead Gunpowder still kind of feels like this cool secret. It's not like the band's aggressively built up a social media presence or a, a digital presence, but considering the membership, considering what, what you've done in and around Green Day, I'm surprised that the demand and attention for reissues hasn't really reached a fever pitch prior to now, or maybe it has, and you're just getting around to it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we just, uh, I think we just sort of noticed that like, oh, it, wow, it's really becoming hard to find everything or, or even know if it's still out there, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, and and we tried to kind of do a, uh, put everything on a different label a while back uh, and it didn't work out. And I think we just kind of dropped the ball for a long time and then it came up again and we're like, well, let's do it with one, two, three, four, go there local here in Oakland and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and just kind of next door to everything we do really, you know? So you came on in 93 with pinhead gunpowder. Yes. Uh, actually it was yeah. Late 93, early 94. Yeah. So the songs and jump salty preceded your arrival. Correct. Yeah. So were, were you a fan at that totally. point? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had heard, uh someone I, i'm originally from little rock arkansas mm -hmm. and so i uh, uh i was living at this sort of punk apartment and i remember someone you know we just had random sort of punk kids you know coming through and staying at our house all the time or our apartment all the time and someone had brought a had somehow gotten a copy of the the, the pinhead recordings the first recordings they did that became jump salty eventually uh, and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Wow. It's, it's Aaron Comet Bus and Billy Joe and wow, Bill and, and, and Kirsch. And, uh, so I, I was definitely a fan. Yeah. And big yellow taxi. Were the members of the band enraged when counting crows had a hit with that, with their version of the cover uh, for, for which one was it for, for big, for yeah, big yellow, big yellow taxi. taxi. I had no idea they did it. Honestly. Uh, there's a good story though, that I think, uh, um, Joni Mitchell actually heard it and totally approved. She loved it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And future day. I mean, I, I know you weren't on these songs, but future daydream that that to me sounds like what I've come to understand is nineties, West coast punk rock. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love that song. Uh, to me, it defines pinhead in a way because it's the two singers. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that was kind of the first show I ever played with pinhead. We, that was the song we started with. So, uh, and I was singing all of Kirsch's parts. So, uh yeah that one kind of is the the opening to, to to all of pinhead to me really it, it, it's the rosetta stone for pinhead gun yeah, yeah it's the it's the beginning yeah so i came Genesis. up in chicago in the music scene of the 90s which for people who weren't there there's this almost like camelot perception of what happened in chicago during that period it, different bands exploded the scene was on fire i kind of as silly as I kind of think that may be, I have the same kind of perception about the West Coast scene of the early 90s. I wasn't around it. And to me, it from afar, it seems magical. What do you remember from that period? It, it is. Uh, and it was. Um, 
uh, I had the impression like I, I came out in 92. So by the time I got to Gilman in the, in the, in the East Bay scene, I mean, I had met a lot of people in bands uh, before that because I, my, you know, in high all throughout high school, I was in bands and we were hosting other bands and opening up for all the touring bands that were coming through. So I met a lot of people from here, from the East Bay. Uh, but once I had gotten here, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I, I feel like I've almost kind of missed it or missed the best part. Um, because, you know, in punk rock scenes, it's almost like the cycles last so brief, you know, they're very, it's two, mm -hmm. three year spurts and then it's gone, you know, and then, and then it changes and something else happens and that band breaks up and somebody else moves in or whatever. Um, so I kind of felt like, well, I'd missed Crimpshine and Op Ivy and and uh and a lot of that stuff and I, but what i realized was there was still a lot going on and there were still you know a lot of great bands just beginning at that time uh it, but it was different but uh uh it, it it was uh it was cool like reading about it you know in maxim rock and roll or whatever it was or lookout fanzine and and then getting out here and 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 becoming part of it you know, every day. And uh, it, it was great. Oh, one of the most cliche business things I've ever heard, which still proves itself to be true, is this idea that a rising tide lifts all boats. I hate that expression, but it's the only way I can describe certain situations. And I remember when Chicago exploded, the idea that as Smashing Pumpkins and Liz Fair and Urge Overkill blew up, they brought with them all these other bands. Was Green Day the rising tide? For the East Bay, um, it certainly brought uh, more people, <laughs> or more more people notice what was happening here. Um, I wouldn't really describe it as that, though, uh, like a rising tide, um, because the scene kind of kept to itself, and it kind of stayed the same in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that changed really were bands um sort of uh oh, what's the word i'm looking for uh they strove for bigger things right it wasn't just about like you know let's play in front of our friends if we can play in front of a few hundred people this is great or whatever you know everyone's aspirations became greater and everyone <laughs> felt it seemed like all the bands thought they deserved the same treatment or they deserved the same success but and so that was a little rough, but, uh, but, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really see it that way, I guess myself, but. And what a difference 25, 30 years makes back in the day when bands suddenly had aspirations to be a major label artist or to be playing at a higher mainstream level, the perception, the word sellout came up far too often in the nineties. It was all you heard. And now in the present day, like that whole mode of thinking seems to be gone. Yeah, I, it's weird. Um, and and I, I feel like I, the other, other podcasts I listen to, you know, lots of things like people are talking about that time period and sort of that, you know, that it was, it has been lost, the, the sort of like pointing fingers sellout thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
like it's okay to want to be successful, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, which I always thought it was, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's weird now that people just don't see it the same way or something. I don't know. So phase three of a five phase rollout again, goodbye Elston Avenue. I mean, just this weekend, right? We hit phase three. I think so. Um, I'm bad with dates, but I, I know it's either slated or it's on the way, you know, or it's just got. Released. Is this nerve wracking to coordinate given supply chain concerns with vinyl oh pressing? Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even doing the, the heavy lifting. Uh, Aaron is doing all the artwork and has to keep up with all that. And he, and we're doing t-shirts for the first time, which is kind of exciting. Awesome. I, it's kind of my favorite part of, of this whole thing so far um because i think they came out really cool uh but yeah it's it's been a lot of like uh well who's got that dat or who's got those tapes or who's got what and where's this and when did this happen it's it's been hard because it has been like okay we're gonna release this in phases um and we want you know to stay true to those dates release dates but it's been hard i think it's Phase two and three have already been pushed back from their original uh, dates. You know, they were supposed to come out. So I'm just impressed to learn that you had some of your archives on DAT and they're, they survived. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we have everything from two inch tape to to uh, to DATs to cassette to I mean, everything to digital only files that we can find. It's it's every it's across the board. I, I feel like all my old stuff on DAT is just a, a ticking time bomb. Like right. the, the clock's ticking. Got to got to convert that stuff before it just completely erodes and goes away forever. Right, right. I mean, I'm feeling that way about a lot of my cassettes, which are kind of above me right here. But uh, yeah, it's I'm scared to even try and play them or or, or right, digitize because, them or whatever, you know. Because we've all experienced the snap. Yeah, and then it's gone. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. So. That, that soul crushing, heart wrenching moment. Right, right. When, when it's just gone, and of course, because of supply supply chain issues, cassettes are back. Yeah, yeah, which is exciting. Kind of, um, I have a cassette player in my kitchen. I use all the time now, and it's a new one. Like it'll, you know, it does the Bluetooth thing and and cassettes, which is great. So here in the Midwest, Cheap Trick is exalted to the highest possible degree. You guys are all fans, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the common denominator, pretty much, for everyone in the band is cheap trick i i was at a, a thrift store about a month ago and the first two cheap trick albums the self-titled in, in color were there for like three bucks a piece and i've had them in some incarnation for decades running like oh shit i have to buy these just because they're there and because they are flawless records yeah 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 i have uh i think i might have multiple copies of those too <laughs> uh because i have sometimes i'd be out record shopping and, and i'd see it like a nice clean copy of it and mm -hmm. i'm like now, do I for sure have this at home? So I just buy it just in case and I get home. Oh, yeah, I, I have it. But this copies may be a little nicer. So I'll pass the other one along or whatever. The, the power pop, the garage sound, I, that kind of leads me to Foxborough hot tubs. Stop, drop and roll holds up especially well, I think. I love it. Yeah, I think it's it's great. And it it's always fun to listen to for me. Yeah. I mean, the title track, especially. When that, yeah, I, yeah. I, the kids call it a banger. Yeah, I, I would I would say it's a banger for sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it starts things off well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because our 
appreciation for cheap trick has only deepened really uh where i mean even as recent as the last tour you know there was nights on the bus we're just cranking tonight it's you and just singing along and playing it again and again and again and again you know like uh so yeah and i know billy in particular has is is just a super huge fan of robin zander you know oh my he's like he's the best singer in rock and roll ever that's a period yeah well and i mean i realize this is about pinhead gunpowder but that's okay we can let it go <laughs> what i love about cheap Fine. trick in the modern day in the past 25 years they never became a nostalgia act when they tour they don't do the, the big hits package the big you know, state fair street festival pa- festival package it's it is you know, current music it is deep tracks it is for the fans yeah yeah i i, I can't say enough good things about i mean and every time I have seen them live, they are fucking fantastic, you know. Well, yeah, and Robin Zander's voice completely holds up. It's insane. It's so good, it, and it and it's and it's just it's preserved like it doesn't. I haven't heard it weighing at all. No. Yeah. All right. So Pinhead Gunpowder, these reissues. I, I guess my question is, what more will be done with Pinhead Gunpowder? Because again, I, I kind of feel like the band is one of these long-running, decades-long running well-kept secrets will there obviously doing shows is a little challenging and problematic to even consider but i guess what's the game plan moving forward above and beyond reissues well we do have um plans that keep changing and getting canceled and and then uh and and they're sort of on the back burner and we're going to try and get to it but that like uh we we have some songs and we just need to get in the same room together and and hopefully play some shows um we were talking about all kinds of different plans from uh, going to england maybe to go you know uh doing uh, the east coast or something you know hubbing in new york or something and playing a few shows out there um but none of it's really come to fruition yet but it, it'll happen eventually. So we, we, we haven't hung it up. We're, we're still uh, pursuing, trying to do at least one more thing. You know, the, the Billy factor is, it is what it is. NME and their headline talking about the reissues, Billy Joe Armstrong's pinhead gunpowder to reissue entire discography on vinyl. Mm-hmm. The press can't help itself. Have you made your peace with the fact that Billy Joe is just who he is? And absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that sort of comes with, uh, like you said, journalism is, that's, that's what it is. You know, they, they need people, they need a reference for someone to understand what it is. So that's just, they just throw it out there. And, uh, I I guess no matter how they, how people come to the party, as long as they're, they come to the party, I guess is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it is his band and, you know, a lot of ways, so (laughs) that's okay. You know, to just throw his name out there. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of people used to reference, it's like, it's the Comet bus, you know, super group or something like that. So uh, that's fine too. <laughs> as you're going through, or as you, as you have been going through all the material, doing all these reissues, I'm guessing this was the hardest you've looked at your material in quite some time or focused on the breadth of what you recorded and put together. How did that at feel? At least 10 years. Uh, for sure. If, I mean, if, it's fun to go back and listen at, um, and 
and to like it in a different way, you know? Uh, sometimes I, I would think like, I can't, I, can, I can't listen to this stuff ever again. Like I've just heard it so many times. But if you give it, you know, you give it a break and you come back to it, it's, you know, it gives perspective. Did you hear the imperfections? Uh, I don't try to dwell on it. You Did you hear the too imperfections much, but... too much when you were when it was too too recent? No, the imperfections are the best part, really. Uh, That's punk rock. Because well, it, it's because it's yeah, it's it, it's that's what makes it sweet. It's 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 uh, um, that to me that's what makes it. I mean, you know, the song's the song, and the recording is the recording. Performance is what it is. You know, and if it captures some sort of looseness or or tightness or whatever, that's just where we were at the time. And that's what's kind of, you know, to look back at your earlier work, that's where you find the joy in it. I think, you know, for sure, that makes any sense. I don't. It, know makes, it makes, makes perfect sense, sense to me. Yeah. OK, so a, again, as we speak, goodbye, Elston Avenue for a lot of people, the gateway drug into Pinhead Gunpowder available on collectible, gorgeous looking vinyl. And the hits keep coming as they, not me, say. The all, the reissues will continue. Two more phases. Uh, it's it's this very well coordinated rollout of all things Pinhead Gunpowder. Uh, Jason White, thank you for doing this. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.